Welcome to a Multiple Nerdgasm Specials episode about Rhode Island Comic Con. Woo! We are your hosts, Jenna and Matt. Hello. We spent the weekend at Rhode Island Comic Con. It was a three-day event held in the Rhode Island Convention Center and the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Both buildings are right next to each other, connected by a sky bridge. We did have some problems with that, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> for now, let's just talk about what we saw at the con itself. Yeah, overall, I had a really good time. Yeah, um, so did I. There were some good guests there. Yeah, a lot of big names, this particular one. Uh, Stan Lee, mm-hmm. notably. Everyone wanted to get stuff signed by Stan. Yeah, this is his last New England appearance, I believe. Yeah, so I think people traveled quite a w- long way to yeah. see him in yep. some cases. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was there signing. He's from The Walking Dead, and mm-hmm. at the moment, he's a huge star. And I think he he was one of the biggest problems with lines and people <laughs> waiting for autographs. Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Gal Gadot was there, uh, mm-hmm. the new Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, Alice Cooper was there signing autographs. Yeah. Uh, and this was in the big room. It's oh, like a, Millie- it's a basketball court, right? Yeah, yeah. So to lay it out, uh, the Dunkin' Donuts Center is a basketball court. Um, so it's that stadium style seating down in the center of that was where all those stars, Stanley and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, where they were signing and taking photos mm. around that, uh, just outside the stadium part were some small artists, uh, little tables. Yeah. Uh, same with upstairs. The whole ring upstairs was filled with artists tables. Yeah. And then in the other room of the Rhode Island Convention Center, that's where some of the other celebrities were. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the ones that didn't make the cut. <laughs> well, they had a lot of them. They did. Yeah, they did. I guess it must have been tough to decide who went where. Really. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. guess it, whoever they thought the longest lines were going to be for. Right. So there were two rows of um, celebrities and wrestlers. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the convention center was filled with comic book artists, uh, some big names, actually. Yeah. And then kind of market stalls like you would see it. Other conventions. Yeah. And like, yeah, comic books, like old collectibles, mm-hmm. comic books, mm-hmm. uh, statues, pub vinyls, lots of pub vinyls. Oh, so many. Yeah. Um, a problem I have with this type of convention, um, this one didn't really have many panels. It only had a few per day. Mm. I think it had a gaming room, but it wasn't really publicized at all. I, I wasn't um, sure where it was until- I the, think like, it was upstairs of the convention center. Yeah. But a problem I have with these types of conventions is that you spend a lot of money to get in. And then there's not really much in there for free. There's a lot to look at. Yeah. But if you want anything, um, if you want to do any experiences, if you want to meet anybody, it all costs money. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the guests are very generous with their time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you say if you want to get something signed, they will talk to you and they will take a photo with you. Uh, but not all of them, in particular, the big names. Uh, and again, it's not always their fault. I think often they're with some agency or... There's companies that organize these, they organize the celebrities for these events and they act on behalf of the celebrity and they will step in and, and kind of demand money off people when they, when they, if you want to talk to them or get something signed and then get a photo, like it's all got to be paid for. That's right. Some of the celebrities were happy to talk to you without. Yes. Without you buying anything mm-hmm. um, in the smaller, well, the bigger room, mm. but the smaller celebrity area yeah, um, were stars like Shannon Elizabeth, mm-hmm. um, Tara Reid, Mina Savari, uh, Brent Spiner had a longer line there and um, the Green Power Ranger. I don't remember his <laughs> name, but oh, he's a huge star. Yeah. His line was never empty. Yeah, I know. I was. Oh, well, I mean, I never watched Power Rangers much. So I was a little surprised by that. I mean, he was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But still, uh, Amy Jo Johnson was there too, the Pink yeah. Power Ranger. But I, I don't know. I don't know. He, he had photos all day. He had people like a full line all day. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Iron Zeering was there mm-hmm. from Sharknado and Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, a lot of wrestlers. We talked to Billy Gunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the wrestler Billy Gunn. He was lovely. A couple of the guys from Sons of Anarchy were there. Mm. Yeah, I've never watched that show. I haven't either. So voice actors. Um, yeah. Uh, some people, Actually, Troy Baker was supposed to be there, but unfortunately he had to cancel. But um, yeah, It's unfortunate. A lot of people canceled this year. Um, yeah. Our friend bought a ticket only because Troy Baker was going to be there. She was very disappointed to find out that he had canceled just yeah, a few days shame. before. It, I mean, it happens a lot, especially with the with the ones in Australia. Uh, it used to happen a lot. I mm-hmm. guess it must just be the same here. Like if a scheduling conflicts. Yeah, if, if work comes up, they've got to take the work. Mm-hmm. So that's understandable. But yeah, and, and a lot of comic artists uh, were there. We will we'll get to them because we actually interviewed a few mm-hmm. uh, and and had some stuff signed by others. Yep. Uh, yeah, many of them were very generous and, yeah. uh, and and kind and hung out with us a bit. So. It was, uh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. So we met James O'Barr. That was pretty exciting for me, except he was not very talkative at all. No, I think um, he's a very uh, shy, quiet kind of person. Yeah. So he, he signed my copy of the Crow graphic <laughs> novel, but he was not really willing to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he, he's probably, I think he's one of those celebrities that's not, he's not a sociable celebrity because he's not, he's just not a sociable person. Like I, I've seen people say that he's kind of a jerk and I don't think that's true. I think he's just... He's just not a very social guy. Right. That's fine. But then if you're going to be in an environment like this, I think you have to make an effort. Sure. Yeah. But he wasn't rude. He was just very matter of fact. No. And he was very busy talking to another artist next to him and didn't (laughs) want to be interrupted. Yeah. But but he he, he said, hello, what what would you like? (laughs) I will sign that. Yes. Have a nice day. (laughs) Also, he's, I mean, I think out of everybody, he's one of the ones I was most nervous about Yeah. because he was a little bit cold. And because I love the crow so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd too, because in those situations, I think when, when the celebrity is very, uh, friendly, yep. it kind of make it puts you at ease. But if, if they're guarded, which I can understand why they might be guarded too, because we're, we have press badges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I had a microphone and I did ask a few celebrities if I could record them. And I do think that probably puts us in a different position with them than say somebody who came up and was just kind of like, mm-hmm. like a straightforward fan. Like a couple, like a couple of times when we asked a celebrity or, or said, could we, could we record the interview? And they said, Oh no, then things got a bit awkward afterwards. Yeah. But again, that's not their fault. I mean, but we didn't even try with him. No, no, no. I know. Um, I'm just saying that if he's- with him, I was just a straight fan. <laughs> I know. But with the press badges and stuff, maybe he, but maybe put him off. Yeah. I don't know. One of the big names we uh, we got to talk to and who was super friendly was Roy Thomas, who uh, he worked for Marvel for a very long time. Uh, he actually took over as editor in chief after Stan Lee left from that position. He he's written for so many comics like Doctor Strange, uh, which is very topical, and he worked on uh, the Star Wars adaptations. Yeah, the original ones. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like Spider Man. Uh, he's probably touched um, every Conan. Company. Oh yeah. Conan the Barbarian yep. brought that to America, I think. Yep. He actually started out, um, well, I don't know if started out. He actually originally worked for DC Comics right. um, for only eight days. I read kind <laughs> of a sad story about it where um, he had done some work for Stanley in the past and then uh, took a job with DC. Um, mm. I don't know if it's supposed to be long term or not, but then his boss was not a very kind man. And he, after just a few days, wrote a letter to Stanley just... Like he said, he was very upset in his hotel room as a 24-year-old, I believe. Uh, read a letter to Stanley, not asking for a job, but just saying, hey, I really love your work. I'm such a big admirer of you. And Stanley asked him in for a test. Yeah. Test right? Yeah, wow. See, that's awesome. Yeah. And and he was so friendly 
Oh, he's uh, such a nice guy. And he did give us uh, he did give us an interview, which which will play now. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, we talked about Doctor Strange specifically, just because that was uh, that's what's kind of going on the, today with the film coming out, and he had some interesting trivia for us. Are here with Roy Thomas, and uh, I had a rumor that you didn't only invent the Sanctum Centaurum, you lived in the Sanctum Centaurum, in a manner of speaking. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I had a, my friend Gary Friedrich, who wrote Marvel Comics, too. Uh, in late 65, we moved into an apartment on Greenwich Village's uh, Bleecker Street, mm-hmm. 177A. There was a 177, and then we were the door at 177A. It no longer exists. Now they're both like 177. Yeah, right. But it, at that time, it was 177A, and we lived there upstairs, second floor, over some weird place for about six months mm-hmm. until our... It was supposed to be rent. We found out it was rent controlled. Our landlord wanted us to pay more money than the rent control, so he threatened to kill us, and we had all kinds of trouble. So we finally decided, yeah, well, you know, we got the cops on him and various things, and he was nice. But we decided maybe it was better if we, you know, we got anonymous phone calls about how they were going to find our bodies in a trash can. Make sure I I bought, I actually bought a gun. I'd never shot in my life, and a police lock on the door. I was ready to shoot if anybody had to come in. But anyway, so eventually. we decided maybe it's best to leave in the middle of the night. But in the meantime, a little and Bill Everett also at that same time staying with us off and on was Bill Everett, the creator of the Submariner, who was drawing Doctor Strange at that time. Right. He was the first artist after Steve Ditko, so he was drawing Doctor Strange while living there. And his first, the first panel he ever drew showed Doctor Strange walking along our street. It doesn't oh, wow. show that number, but it's like, it looks a lot like Reddish Village looked outside our door in those days. And uh, so about three or four years later. In one of the last issues or so of that series of Doctor Strange before it died, around 19, number 180 something or other, I needed to have an address for Doctor Strange because he was going to get a telegram. Right. And so on the thing, I put 177A Bleecker Street, which is yeah. our address. Obviously, Doctor Strange's mansion was not going to fit in that yeah, right. <laughs> And Ever since that, that's been his uh, the address, that mansion. I mean, it was supposed to be on or near Bleecker Street, yeah, right. but more near it than on it. I put it on it yeah. and uh, just gave it that number, and it's always been on it. I used to think, I always thought Bill had done it, and then years later I realized, no, I had done yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and now I, now they put that in the, uh, in the movie, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, have you seen the film, what do you no, think? I haven't seen it, but I just learned from Jeff Isherwood, who worked on some issues of Doctor Strange with me in the 90s, that not only am I in this little, the credit of a dozen or two people at the end, besides, of course, Stan and Steve, who deserve yeah, right. get the lion's share of the credit, but that along with you know, uh, a few, several other people, including Jeff Isherwood and others, uh, there's a credit for me... Mm. A credit for my, my wife, Dan, because oh, yeah. her name was on these stories, too. And a credit for my first wife, Jean, oh, wow. because, because uh, she, I, I think because she had done a comic with, uh, with me working a little, but it was mostly her in the 1970s, called Night Nurse, a very obscure comic that only lasted about five or six issues, yeah. said it, which was sort of half romance, half adventure, and... We made up a hospital for it called Metro General. They may, maybe they used that as the name of the hospital or something. So they decided to say they gave her and the artist a credit for that. So both my wives and I together again for the first time <laughs> in this credit, you know, and so forth. I hope they pay her, pay her too. You know? That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> sure, thank you. But I, I'm hoping it's be a good movie. This, the uh, scenes I've I like seen, the, 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 uh, the trailers I've seen online that people send me and things just look great. Yeah, the, the, the special effects and stuff are yeah. really, and it's I'm very really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing it more than the average uh, Marvel movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Even if I didn't have my name on it, I didn't, and I didn't think I think I would. I was just looking forward to seeing. And the funny thing is, back in the '60s, the only Marvel series I didn't read. 
before I came to work for Stan was Doctor Strange because right. I couldn't relate to the magic stuff, but I yeah. always liked Ditko's art. So here, so a couple years later, I end up writing Doctor Strange even with Ditko for a little yeah. while. But anyway, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad that the movie's turned out okay. Yeah, it's, it's taken a few hundred million dollars. I guess it'll be all right. <laughs> They'll make another one. Yeah. Thank you. Take thank you. He was one of the few guys who didn't ask for anything to sign our comics. Yeah. Um, and he was totally willing to talk to us. So that whole interview, he told us, all right, I've got a few people online. Um, I'll answer a couple of questions, but that's all I can do. And then he just didn't stop. <laughs> yeah, he was he was just very, I think he's excited to be there. He's one of those people that I think just really loves what he does and, and interacting with the people who, who read <laughs> the comics and stuff. Yeah, he's really friendly. Yep. So yeah, if you get the chance to, to chat with him at a convention, like definitely approach him. He's very, very friendly. Yeah. Uh, another guy, if you see him, Tim Estelaz, yes. he designed our badges, our um, press badges at this con. He was so nice. Yeah, he's We great. talked to him forever. He does uh, a lot of, he's an artist. So he does a lot of comic art uh, with characters, you know, and he works for kids at Hasbro Children's Hospital. Um, mm. He goes in and draws for kids to their requests. Yeah. Uh, he told us a funny story, actually, where one of the kids uh, requested a frozen character but zombie. <laughs> and he asked her mom and she said, yep, that's fine. And he had to go back and tell his managers, um, you might be getting some complaints from the hospital. Mm. Um, and they yeah, they're did. They're probably going to question why yeah, I'm drawing why zombies for these kids. Yep, yep. <laughs> and he did. Uh, <laughs> they got some calls from some of the nurses. Mm -hmm. And they told them it's fine. <laughs> he had permission to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he's a really lovely guy and he's, uh, uh, he's got some great ideas and opinions around working with physical mediums versus digital because everything's kind of uh, people moving towards digital these days. And he has some strong feelings about that and uh, and very interesting point of view. Yeah. I think actually he um, mentioned that he would like to come on the podcast at some point and mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, he suggested that we discuss that, but I don't think we know enough to um <laughs> well, I think <laughs> it might be better that. if we have him on and we'll ask him questions. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> He's a great guy and yeah, hopefully get in touch with him and, mm -hmm. and have him on. Um, we also met Rob Leefield, um, yes. who is a creator of Deadpool. Yeah, he's very uh, controversial in the comic book world. You've probably seen uh, articles in the past uh, discussing the uh, the anatomical impossibilities of some of his characters. Yeah, his art style is a little bit funny, um, like big muscles that well, it, it's funny don't belong there. <laughs> it's also iconic. Like people mock it, but like right. it, it, he like he he turned like a whole comic series around in the nineties. He 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 worked at Marvel and he was put on uh, New Mutants. And he basically like that was their like their lowest selling comic, and he took it from that to to being like one of their top top sellers, and so he was put in charge of that whole project. And from there, he went on to do again, like, yeah, like Deadpool, X Factor, like all of these things. He's very, very, very successful. Yeah, we were lucky to catch him. Actually, he was on mm. his way out the door, so unfortunately, yeah. we weren't able to interview him. Yeah, he just didn't have time to <laughs> talk to us at that point. <laughs> but we did get a copy of Deadpool signed. Yes, so, and he was very nice. Yeah, we were lucky enough to catch Alan Bellman. Uh, and his adorable wife. Oh uh, man, I will put some <laughs> photos up um, on the Instagram of all of the people that we spoke to and interviewed. But this is my favorite photo <laughs> because every time we, uh, so we were there for three days, like I said, and every day that we walked by, his wife was like full costume, but kind of made out of just dresses and knee socks yeah. and hoodies. Like she. And for context, Alan Bellman is ninety-four years old, and his wife. Uh, is is similarly aged. Mm -hmm. And the first day she dressed as Wonder Woman yeah. uh, with a Wonder Woman dress, knee socks that looked like boots, um, a little tiara, yeah. and a hoodie 
a Wonder Woman hoodie tied at the neck to mm-hmm. look like a cape. They are the cutest couple. Yep. 94. And uh, Alan Bellman worked for Timely Comics, which is actually, uh, it is Marvel Comics, but that's what it was called before Stan Lee came along. But Alan Bellman uh, was one of the original artists during the war working on Captain America, uh, Human Torch, and all those characters before Marvel even existed. He, he, was, he was working on those comics. And so he's like, he's a true original as mm-hmm. far as Marvel comics go. And so, it was, yeah, it was really lovely to meet him. And he's so nice. Yeah. Like, he, he's doing some more conventions in 2017. I know he's going to be down in Florida uh, for a few. Like, and yeah, if, if you can catch him, you should because he's just yeah, he's so nice and, and really just one of the originals. We got a poster from him of mm-hmm. Captain America punching Hitler. <laughs> yeah, which is something he worked on back during the war. <laughs> I couldn't believe that that existed. <laughs> Speaking of Hitler. Yeah. Do you- <laughs> <laughs> Weird tangent. Yeah. As we're walking around, I mean, they have a lot of collectible stuff at the, at the event. And, and we encountered, I think for uh, Silver Age Collectibles is the, is the guy's company. He had a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of Star Trek figures. And old things. TV guides. Yeah. A lot of really old, very collectible stuff. And uh, like lots of interesting odd things. And one of the things mm-hmm. he had was a, an original- from the 1940s, uh, vinyl LP of Adolf Hitler's speeches. Mm-hmm. In German. In German, uh, which was very illegal at the time, I believe. Yep. And uh, right next to that, he had a um, probably about a 12-inch figure. Yeah. Greatest um, war criminals of all time, Adolf right. Hitler action figure. Yeah. A couple of days later when we came by, uh, I noticed they were gone. And I asked him, I said, did somebody buy them? Yeah, because they were like three hundred dollars. Yeah, they were very they were, expensive. They were, they were pretty expensive. Uh, and he said no. Apparently, um, people had complained, mm-hmm. and and he had to put them under the table. And I I can see why, but then on the other hand, see, I I don't agree with them having to be hidden. I I don't know why they would have to be hidden. That's kind I of I don't know why someone would buy them, but I think they're they are interesting as historical mm-hmm. kind of documents. And I mean, it's particularly that the 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 vinyl in particular is that's right. I mean, it's historically significant as repulsive as all that may be. Again, I can understand why someone may have complained. And if the convention didn't want to deal with that, I can see why they might have asked him to remove them. But I don't know. I agree with it overall. That's right. I think just because we had just gotten that picture of Hitler, like that picture of <laughs> Captain, Captain America, America punching, punching Hitler, Hitler. Yeah. It just that, stri- that was okay. And yeah. that a figurine of a war criminal, like the box said war criminals. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. That just, that struck me as odd. Yeah. Cross uh, had a booth at the convention. Cross is a luxury pen company, which uh, if you don't know what a luxury pen is there, it's basically that you buy one and you never really have to replace it because it's got a full lifetime warranty uh, and they're, they're very like uh, hardy metal kind of constructed high quality pens. And they've recently acquired from Disney the licenses for Star Wars and Marvel and they have new lines out, which are the, the Star Wars and, and Disney lines. and these pens are freaking awesome. Yeah, they are. They have fountain pens, ballpoint. Um, mm-hmm. They have one that is like a really thin pen, but three colors and pencil lead inside of it. It's incredible. Yeah, and it, a stylus on the back. It's called the Tech 3 Darth Vader Special Edition. It also has a stylus on the back of it, so you can use it with a tablet. So it's it's got, yeah, red red ink, black ink, a, a pencil, and a freaking stylus on yeah. the end of it. So it's amazing. And uh, I was lucky enough, they were doing a giveaway, and I won a BB-8 pen. Uh, and it's, I mean, it, it's a pen I can use literally forever. Yep. Like if if, yep. if anything breaks on it, I can go in and they'll just replace it. 
they said the only thing that's not covered is if it gets lost, but they're actually working on a chip so that even that will be covered. <laughs> yeah, so they can find it, which is creepy but cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, these are great pens. If you're into if you're into pens, uh, or you know, you're looking for a gift for somebody, uh, go to check them out. Cross.com is where you can find them. And again, yeah, they've got they've got a store opening in Providence here in Rhode Island. If you're a local, the only thing that I get wary of with things like this, like it has a lifetime guarantee. Yeah. What if the company's not around in ten years? Oh, like, sure. You know, if it's a startup company and they say you have a lifetime guarantee, well, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Well, I think Cross has been around for a very long time, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure if that's likely. But I wanted that too because if I get this Star Wars pen, right, and I break it in 20 years yep. and I go back in and they're like, well, we don't make those anymore. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to get the same pen back unless they just have a warehouse full of these things. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe if, if anyone from Cross is listening, uh, let us know. <laughs> how does how does that work? You gotta, but you they gotta, are beautiful pens. Though, oh, yeah. So, I'm glad that Matt won one. Uh, because he would have otherwise spent a lot of money on them. Oh yeah, I wanted one real bad. I still want that Darth Vader. <laughs> I know, I know. The the triple pen. I don't even know how to write amazing. with a fountain pen, and I want one. They were they were beautiful. The the fountain pens are amazing. Actually, there's a run of limited edition ones where they only did like I think they did one thousand nine hundred seventy seven of them to celebrate the the like Star Wars nineteen seventy seven, mm-hmm. uh, and they I mean they're like six hundred bucks, but they're beautiful and they're actually like. Uh, gold and and i think some of them have like gems and stuff in <laughs> embedded in them as well like they're really beautiful pens so yeah cross.com check them out yep our friend liz uh has a booth at all of the new england conventions she has a company called tracky mock uh, which is comic art backwards she mm-hmm. makes all original things out of comic books she sells wall hangers Pins and badges, zipper wallets, pulls, light, yep, light, yep. light switch covers. Yeah, so wallets are her biggest thing, and oh, yeah. she will even specialize if you want to send her some art that you liked from a comic book. She can make you a wallet out of that. Yeah. Um. So have a look at her website, uh, trackymock.com. That's comic art backwards. So t r a c i m o c dot com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she does special orders. Yeah, they're all handmade. They're really high quality, and they're uh, yeah, they're made from the actual pages. So uh, it's actually some of them. I'm like astounded that she manages to make them look as awesome as they do. Cause I'm like, how do the, pa- how do you get the panels to line up like that? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't expect her to reveal her secret. They're really cool. We'll post a picture of that too oh, on yeah. our Instagram. We've got some of those. I was also lucky enough to chat with Bill Diamond again. Yeah. We spoke to him at Hartford Comic Con too. He's a mm-hmm. really, really nice guy. He's yeah. very talkative. He's awesome. We didn't have any recording equipment with us at Hartford, but this time we did. And he was kind enough to grant us an interview. Bill worked on Sesame Street, The Muppets, Little, uh, the Little Shop of Horror stage show, The Dark Crystal. He's a, a puppeteer and a puppet constructor. Constructor, mm-hmm. I guess. He, he, <laughs> he makes all the, he makes puppets and props and, uh, just really, really cool, wonderful stuff. You would have seen his work on like Fraggle Rock and, yep. and, and stuff like that. So yeah, he was very generous with his time. Yeah, uh, they had a booth set up with a lot of these um, puppets in there. Yeah, um, they had a gremlin. Actually, he worked on gremlins too. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and they had one of the Skeksis. Yes, from the Dark Crystal and the sword, the mm-hmm. original sword from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they traveled around with that. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see them all up close. Yeah, yeah, and again, he's very friendly. So we sat down, asked him a couple of questions. I'm here with Bill Diamond. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Very well. I was wondering if you could tell us how did you get started. Well, uh, how did I get started? Well, the first thing is I woke up in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's an always a good start, yeah. especially with coffee. No, you get more done that way. Yeah. I was in school. I was interested in theater, television, art. I majored in, in uh, TV. But uh, I, was, I was 
playing with uh, puppetry and, uh, and stop motion. I worked, got a chance to know Ray Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Uh, did some stop motion, but it was just too slow for me. Sure. So I started experimenting. Of course, I'm a Henson Pry. I grew up with, with uh, Sesame Street, but then little did I know I was going to wind up working on it for Reeves Teletape at that time. And through that, I met Carol Spinney, and from there, um, I I got to know Johnny Henson and then his father, Jim. Yeah, right. That's awesome. So that's how that started. And then yeah. I was building my own company at that time and working in and out of what the Hensons were doing at the time. Yeah. And so ever since then, I've been still working for the last 40-some-odd years mm. with uh, all my own projects and yeah. my crew. So you do the, the little Shepahara stage show, correct? Yeah, well, I've been I built the puppet the um, after it went off Broadway, it went back on tour, and then I did the tour puppet mm-hmm. in '84, and then from then I did it, and I still do it now. Um, and then we built the revival in 2007, and the puppets are owned by us at the studio as well as all the other characters, the hundreds of characters we have. Yeah. And then we get a chance to bring them out at these cons for people to really get a chance to see them. They're awesome. How long does it take to, to build something like the, the Big Audrey 2? Well, a lot of people ask that. I mean, they go from a concept design to what materials will be used. Uh, it can go from a number of months to, you know, it all depends on the production schedule we get. Yeah. Cool. What's the favorite, your, well, your favorite part? I know it's a ridiculous question. because I can never ask this question. You know why? Because, first of all, all the characters are behind me. And if you ask them, they all think they're the favorite. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to get into trouble there because Gorgo's right behind me, so he's automatically going to say it's him. So it's him, yeah. Yeah. Cool. But, well, maybe. <laughs> it depends on if I go over there or Gremlin Mason. Any characters listening, it's you. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's how you answer that. Get you out of trouble. Well, thank you so much, and <laughs> enjoy the rest of your time here. I will. Thank you for coming by. Cheers. So it wasn't all like nerd comic-y, I guess. There were some horror things as well in yeah. this. And uh, the same company that runs this, Altered Reality, actually runs Terracon in February, mm-hmm. which uh, I believe we'll be going to, so we'll be covering that also. And I, I would guess that most of these people that we're going to talk about next will be there. Mm-hmm. Jason Diebel with Monster Haiku. Mm-hmm. Makes really adorable comic books. Yeah, they're just a haiku. Yeah, with so, some monsters, and each each book, each monster has its own book. Yeah, so he's got like Frankenstein, Dracula. Well, I don't know if he calls them the Frankenstein. Dracula. <laughs> he doesn't even name them, but they're monster characters. And yeah, each strip is it's a, it's a haiku, but but it's still a joke. Mm-hmm. Like it, they're still funny, uh, and three panels, but they're haiku. So it's yep. very clever, and the and, art is very cute. Yeah. I'm su- I mean, I'm surprised he's managed to come up with as many as he has, because mm-hmm. <laughs> again, they're very, they're still funny uh, and clever. But he was, he was very cool. Uh, he drew as a zombie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which we have, uh, and you can check him out at MonsterHaiku.com. Uh, we talked to Lawrence Elig. He yes. made, he had um, for sale at the con. He had a bunch of horror busts, mm. um, but we talked to him for a little bit, and he did tell us. Some amazing stories, like I wouldn't ever have guessed. Yeah. He he used to work um, for Hasbro and Kenner, and he modeled, like he clay modeled all of these toys. Yeah, so like toys that you would have had. Yeah. Things. Like if you're our age, you've seen these toys. Yep, and actually all over the convention, they're selling all these retro toys. And he said like, I've, I designed all those. Yeah, like as in we're talking like the Star Wars figures. Jurassic uh, Park. Batman. 
uh, like all, all, all of the toys that you played with as a kid, like he, he probably had a hand in something that you, that you were playing with. And if you go to his website, uh, lawrenceellig.com, uh, there's a section with toys and he's got a photos of a bunch up there. And I, and I was flicking through it going, Oh man, I remember that thing. Yeah. yeah. Like he made it. Yeah. And he lives close. So, I mean, hopefully we'll be talking to him again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's currently doing, uh, horror busts that he's sculpting them himself. He's got characters like, uh, you know, the classic universal monsters, mm-hmm, the hammer horror monsters, hammer horror monsters, uh, Vincent Price. Uh, he's got several HP Lovecraft ones in, in different kind of styles, Edgar Allan Poe. And they're really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like really beautiful, and they're bronze, cast bronze. So they're they're like serious, serious sculptures. Like you could put this, you know, like a like like a most Mozart bust on your piano. But, yep. But you know Frankenstein. So <laughs> yeah, definitely check him out, and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll be in touch with him again. Yeah. Because I'm I want some of them. <laughs> <laughs> and we also talked to there was a, a col- collective of New England based horror writers that mm-hmm. they had a booth there. Uh, and they were all really, really friendly and awesome. Yeah, they were right next to our friend Liz's booth. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of time talking to them. Yeah. Uh, we Obviously, they they discovered that we were interested in horror and we have a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had a chat. We spoke with Jason Parent, Rich Feidelberg, Catherine Grant, David and Scott Gosword. Yeah, Jason Parent actually gave us one of his books to read. Yeah. Um, it's only been a day. Yeah. So we haven't had time yet. I did read the first couple of pages of mm-hmm. one of the stories that he picked out for us when we said that we were Poe fans. Yeah. And um, I mean, so far it is it is very similar to that, but in a modern English way. Yes. It captures the feel, I think. <laughs> yeah. So far. That's why he had me read the first page. Yep. And then I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're really great. Uh, and if, you, if you're interested in horror, uh, they actually have kind of- guidebooks to Massachusetts, and I think there's a Florida one as well, uh, horror-based guidebooks, so that it tells you kind of the, the history and horror of those states. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're probably working on more. Those are by David and Scott Godswood. Um, you can get more information about them at newenglandhorror.org. Yeah. I do want to say a special thank you. Um, we met a couple of guys over at one of the comic book booths. Mm. Um, yeah, John Simano and John uh, Friends. But they, they gave us all of the information about all of the comic book artists there. Yeah. Like, all right, you should go to this guy here. If like, he, these are the books he worked on. Um, they, they helped us out a huge amount. Yeah. So Cause it, it was all shout quite, out to them. Yeah. It was quite overwhelming, uh, to, to, to try and figure keep track of who was who and, and what we could, what we should ask everybody about mm-hmm. and kind of what would be, what would be an interesting thing to talk to everybody about. And they gave us, he gave us some really great tips on, on, things we could ask people about and and that kind of stuff. So big thanks to them. Um, Now I would like to talk about the convention overall. Overall. Yes. So we had some problems with the organization of the convention as a whole. Yeah. Not just us. I think, in fact, I think we probably had less problems than other people did. That's right. On behalf of other attendees, Mm -hmm. we had problems. (laughs) That's right. Yep. So as I said, uh, the convention was held in two separate buildings and it was connected by a sky bridge. So, the first building that you entered into was the Dunkin' Donuts Center, which was the basketball court yeah. style one. And then to get into the next building, you had to take the Sky Bridge. And once you did that, you couldn't come back. You'd right. have to leave and then wait in line yeah, because to come they were- back in and go through security again. Which was, was annoying, but fine on the Friday. On the Saturday and Sunday, that was a real problem because... It was a huge problem. And because Liz's booth um, was in the Dunkin' Donuts Center, mm. every time that... We would kind of, we would go to help out. 
um, because I I worked at her booth a couple of times for Mm. her just to cover for people. Yeah. I would have to leave the convention and then go back in the main entrance. Yeah. Which is, and go outside too. But not only that, you, you, because we had press badges, you got in. Other people didn't get back in. That's right. Because the other issue, and I understand why they would do this, the building has a capacity and they sell more tickets than the building can fit because they assume people will be coming and going. But when you're forcing people to leave in order to get from one side to the other, they, they're leaving, but they're not really leaving. But they're not leaving. They're, they didn't yep. want to leave. That's and so right. now they're stuck and they can't get back. Yep. So the convention center has a capacity of 17,000 people. And by making the Skybridge one way, they were able to sell almost double the amount of tickets. Yeah, because the fire marshal said that way they could just herd people through mm-hmm. and, and out the other side, mm-hmm. which- I'm sure that makes business sense. It doesn't, it's not very nice. Right. So this was a major problem with Rhode Island Comic Con two years ago, where at about 11 o'clock in the morning, they reached capacity and even vendors and celebrities were not allowed back into the convention center Mm. for hours. So people had abandoned booths and celebrities weren't able to make it to their panels or signings because they were stuck in the re-entry line outside in the cold rain. Yeah. Not not good. <laughs> no. And I think it wasn't until about five o'clock that the doors opened again and the mm. convention closes at seven. So I, I know there was a huge, huge problem with this two years ago and yeah. they were making efforts to fix it, but I don't think they really have, they haven't done a great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were points where we couldn't move. Like we were stuck in a stairwell because photo lines had backed up so much that they were blocking the entry. Yeah. I don't know whether they just didn't allow for the number of people that we're going to want to meet certain celebrities because it, it, it was just overwhelming. Like mm-hmm. when, if you went down that to that area, you couldn't get out because yep. the lines were blocking the stairs and people, people wouldn't move because they could see what was happening. Like it was all kind of disorganized and they knew that if they left right. or moved out of the way, well, someone else was just going to, going to push in. Like it was just, yeah, it was not a good. Right. And that's really situation. unfortunate for the people who had booths downstairs and were trying to sell their, their art and their goods. Right. Because nobody could get to them. Yeah, exactly. And it's not good for the celebrities either, because I know for a fact that Gal Gadot's panel was a problem. <laughs> yeah, actually, hers was pushed back. People were complaining about that. Hers was supposed to start at 2.30, I believe. Mm. And then they put up a post, um, Rhode Island Comic Con on their Facebook page, put up a post that it would be starting at 2.45. But even after 2.45, people were still asking, when is this going to begin? Yeah. And when she did finally get on stage, the panel was only about 20 minutes long. Because they didn't have any time. Right. Because she had to go back and <laughs> do all the but other I, stuff again. I don't, I mean, that is also a problem with scheduling. Like with um, Jason David Frank, who I now remember is the name of the Green Power Ranger. <laughs> um, he was given a 10 minute session for photo ops. Right. But he was very popular. He was super popular. Yeah. So he had from 12 to 1210 were solo photo ops. And then from 1210 to I think like 1230 were photo ops with him and Amy Jo Johnson together. Mm. 10 minutes is not enough time No, for anything. That's maybe what, like three photos? Yeah. And I, and that, I mean, that just seems like, that seems kind of obvious. Like, yeah. I don't understand I mean, what if, if something runs a little bit late, then that's it. You just scrap it. Yeah. Like, uh, it just, none of the scheduling really made sense to me. There were a mm. lot of panels that were canceled last minute or like pulled to a different time last minute. Yeah. I think it's tricky in, in some ways because a lot of the people working there were volunteers. And mm-hmm. I know it's, it is difficult to coordinate people who aren't, you know, they're not being paid. So yep, you've we, got to kind of, uh, they're not going to be like on the ball the same way that somebody who's like, whose job's on the line. Right. We is. did speak to a volunteer security guard and we found out that there were like three factions of security there. Right. 
like the Comic-Con security, the center security, and the actual police. Mm. And none of them had communicated with each other at all. Yeah. So it was kind of a mess. And I think that's like the theme of the whole convention, that there was no communication between anybody. Yeah, it seems that way. A lot of people complained about the volunteers in the information booths because nobody was... Nobody had any information. Yeah. And they weren't I, all very friendly either. No. And even I found that problem when I, the first day I went up and I said, hey, do you have a list of the panels? And she said, oh, no, no, no. You can check on the website. Maybe it's there. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't know. And I said, mm. do you have a map? And she said, oh, no. Then how am I supposed to know if anything is going on? Right. You expect like 30,000 people to use your website at once? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it, it sounds a bit nitpicky, I guess, at times. But, but, it, but it, nobody seemed to have any information. Right. Um, I found a couple of Facebook complaints. Actually, um, let me read you just a couple of my favorites from Karina Gager said, you guys suck. Thanks for taking my money and being rude to me. And Katie Daly said, a volunteer said right in front of me, she would rather commit suicide than help another person. <laughs> well, that's just, that's just not on. I think it's, it's tough because they're volunteers and they're, they're, I think the organization made their job harder than it was. So that puts them in a foul mood. And then I'll get right. paid. So they don't, they're, they're, they've had enough as well. Right. So it's just not a good situation. No, but there was such a, such miscommunication between people mm. that, um, some of the people who bought special tickets, like VIP tickets, were yes. left without things that they had bought. Um, they turned away some of the Stan Lee VIPs, that's which right. I think is, uh, you can't do that. No, they paid $400 to meet Stan Lee and to get a special bag that came with, um, like a, it came with a lanyard and a special Stanley toy, right? Um, which were never given out. And then when people complained about it, it was just removed from the website altogether. Like it, like it had never just never existed. existed. See, that's just not on. Right. Uh, I think also uh, telling people that, I mean, Stanley sold out mm -hmm. very quickly. Right. However, it's not that they said it wasn't sold out. They just kind of withheld that information. Yeah. Like, I did find a couple of posts where people said, I need you to be specific. Yeah. Can you tell me, I like, can you tell me if he is still signing autographs? I have, like, yeah. I do not want a photo. I just have something I want signed. And they would respond with Stan Lee is still, is still available for photographs. Yeah. They were still selling photographs tickets, but not autographs because the line was obnoxious. But they would never say that. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. It's just not, I don't think that's on. And they were actually even deleting comments off. First of all, they disabled posts to their mm, Facebook so page. And then they were deleting comments. And I think they still are like negative comments um, mm. and comments of people saying it's been sold out. It's been sold out. I saw somebody was anytime somebody asked, they would say it's sold out. It's sold out. It's sold out. And they would delete it every time. Yeah. Because like, they don't want, they want people to come and still. Like, I know. Come. And but that's, I, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it at all. I, yeah, maybe we're shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit by saying this, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like it's, it's, yeah, it's not on. Right. All right. Um, people also had a problem with the company that takes the photos, mm. uh, Froggies, to the point where there's actually a Facebook page not using Froggies photos at conventions. Um, they've had serious problems in the past. Somebody, uh, at Dragon Con complained that instead of sending the JPEG like they were supposed to, they just put all of the photos from the convention up on a Flickr site, mm. which led to sites like um, BuzzFeed or right. Funny or Die collecting them and making fun of people and posting yeah. them for everybody to see. Well, These, like, private photos. Yeah, because, I mean, there was a big thing with that years ago with uh, it was one of the, the scary haunted house things that did that. And then people, you should know that that's not, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Right. Like. Right. But yeah. that, I mean, that's happened in the past. At this one, they 
just kind of made a mess of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost photos. The printers backed up for hours. They so ran people, out of paper. They ran out of paper. People weren't collect able to collect their photos. Because you couldn't get to them. Right. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, there was such big masses of people that you couldn't get there and they weren't taking any names or anything. So they were just holding up a photo and saying like, uh, you've got long brown hair and a blue shirt on. Yeah. So you had to like recognize your own characteristics to find your photo. Yeah. There were still people now commenting on the Facebook page that they never got theirs and where can they, Yeah. are they able to get it somewhere? And I mean, look, it it sounds like we're being very negative, but I mean, we had a good time, uh, but then again, we, Again, we had the ability to skip a lot of this stuff because mm-hmm. of the press passes and that. Right. So we're only we're talking about this because we think people should know about it. And I don't agree with the fact that they're trying to hide it, sort of. That's and right. Particularly, like if they've had these problems in the past, well, and and if they're just deleting all the comments from Facebook, well, that's that's not really acceptable. Like they need to address the problem, not just try and pretend it doesn't exist. No. Uh, and. I wonder if all this stuff is a symptom because we, we had problems like this in Australia when the conventions blew up because this whole thing, comic book conventions and, and geek culture in general has it's really blown bigger. up. That's like, right. In the, in the last, like, say five years, I think. So it, it could just be, you know, it's grown beyond their ability to, to handle it mm-hmm. without, you know, maybe addressing how they're doing things. But this, I mean, this is several years on that they've been having these problems well, and I think it I'm should saying, have been addressed by yeah, now. That's why I'm, 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 I'm not sorry that we're saying. Right. <laughs> they, I mean, they either need to cap tickets, which they have done, but they're capping mm. it at too high of a volume. Yeah. Um, they need to cap them lower mm. like PAX does, or they need to find a bigger venue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. one that you can freely walk through because I, I'm not into this. Start the, like start out in this one building, complete yeah. it, and then you can't come back in. Yeah, with no notice that that's going to happen. That's the exactly. other thing. Like you didn't. No one told you you weren't allowed. Back yep. In. Once you walked over the bridge, that's it. They just you wouldn't just let you back, back up. It's mm-hmm. security there. Yeah. See, it's just a lot of little things like that that combined. I think to to make it a not a great experience for quite a lot of people. That's and, right. And then they would put artists um, that I, I guess they didn't know were going to be bigger sellers, like comic artists. Yeah. Um, in a small lane. Oh yeah. And then. <laughs> Which created a line, which just backed up everything because nobody could get through. Yeah. Um, the one of the only places that you could get drinks right. um, was a root beer stand yeah, the wild right in the middle. Beer. Yeah. Right in the middle of the convention center, which had a line of 100 people and blocked the entire room from so moving. So you just couldn't move anywhere. Yeah. They've got to learn from, from the mistakes, but it just seems like they're not. So. Right. I mean, we can't say... Definitely. No, we, maybe next this year is the first time. That's right. We, this is the first time we've attended Rhode Island Comic Con. But speaking to other people who were there um, in previous years, uh, some friends who've gone in previous years, mm-hmm. some of the security guards, I, yeah. it doesn't seem like they have people who've, changed much. People who've had booths and attended uh, as vendors and artists in the past and won't anymore mm-hmm. because, of all, because of these issues. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. I think overall it, it was fun. And mm-hmm. if you're aware of these issues, you can probably get around it. But I think a lot of people just had no idea what they were walking into. Yep. And if you wanted to meet Stanley, Gal Gadot, or any of those big celebrities, you probably had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably just waited in line from morning until after yeah, closing. And potentially got turned away. That's right. At the end, which is, I mean, I, I understand sometimes it's uh, it's not possible to fix it. But I mean, that's really just not on. You can't charge people that much money, and mm-hmm. especially the VIPs, and then just say, "Oh, sorry." Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the the biggest crime. 
And like, and and that, just to be clear as well, I do not, for an instant, I saw Stanley. Uh, we met him in Sydney when he was in Sydney, and I know for a fact that he had he he would have stayed to sign everybody's if he possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I know that anybody who got turned away, that is no way that Stanley's fault because that right. guy is a machine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. He is the one of the kindest <laughs> and coolest people in in the industry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it was his fault for a second. Yep. I guess we should also talk about the after party. We got invited to the right. after party on Saturday night. <laughs> we did. We did. Well, we did buy um, Altered Reality, the company that was putting it on. Yes. Uh, but then when we got to the door, the head of security had no record of us. Well, he didn't have any record of any of the media. Of any of the media. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually had to email him my media list so that he yeah. could check people in at the door, which is just another miscommunication between everybody there. And somebody actually told me that that room capacity was only 250 people and they sold 500 tickets just hoping that people wouldn't show up which mm. I don't think is right either. That doesn't sound like something they would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say the, the after party was not really our scene. No, it, it was, I can see how it would have been a lot of fun for people who, who are into more dancey music and stuff like that. But I mean, the, the other thing is that the celebs were supposed to be in attendance and there was like, there was nobody literally no. Like, yeah. They, I, they I, had I'm a rope drop section. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was empty. Yep. And I mean, that's not the only reason we were there, but that, it's just another thing where it's like, it's not as advertised, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was run by Tight Crew and they they did a good job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the 90s music, music was like, but it was yeah. not the 90s music that I like. No, the setup was but, good. The but I mean, they good. did a good job with, yeah, 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 they did a good job. Their DJ was good if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. no, I have no issues <laughs> but, with, their, with their side of things. And I they think, were all dressed appropriately for the 90s, which I, I thought that mm. was pretty cool. It just feels like the whole thing feels like something that was a very small convention and mm-hmm. it never adapted to accommodate like the, the thousands and thousands and mm-hmm. thousands of people that, that go to these things now, and they just don't have the capacity to handle it. Hopefully next year they've learned from a few things. Yeah. Um, and hopefully because they'll, even after listening to this, they'll still invite us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll have to buy tickets. We are very grateful to Altered Reality. Yeah, we're very grateful. And, and like, again, we, we, we had a great time. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And people we went with who – who didn't have press passes, they still had a great time. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't all terrible. It's just that I feel like the, the complaints that people with complaints aren't being handled very well. No, no. And they are all valid complaints. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Multiple Nerdgasm is supported by T public. If you go to multiple slash merch, you can find uh, our t-shirts and mugs and other apparel and odds and ends with our little faces on it. Yep. They have a lot of Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, like any comic book character that you type in, they yep. will have. It's all done by independent artists. So go, go multiplenogasm.com slash merch. Check out our stuff. And then in the search box, type in like Deadpool, Spider-Man, uh, Batman, type in Iron Zeering, type in Captain America <laughs> Captain and Hitler. America. <laughs> type in I don't know anything. I'm I'm almost certain you'll find anything you look for. And if you don't, please email us podcast at multiplenerdgasm dot com uh, because uh, we can probably yeah, fix that because we have the power to create that. <laughs> yeah. So let us know if there's a t shirt that you want that's not on there. Mm. Uh, let us know. Yeah. So multiplenerdgasm.com slash merch. Uh, any anything you purchase on the website. Uh, like through us by visiting that link, they'll support us. And that's incredibly helpful. And we're really excited to be sponsored by them because 
they got some really awesome stuff. You should also go over to multiplenerdgasm.com and listen to the parent podcast that spawned this special. Yeah, we've got the Multiple Nerdgasm podcast. Which is we- a weekly podcast about all things nerdy. So all of the, any other stuff we talked about here and more. Uh, we've got Necronominom, which is a podcast that Jenna and I do about horror films. We discuss the story behind and the trivia about horror films and their inspirations. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.